into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopto, C70 at bat at C70. On Twitter, Alan is still doing the baseball thing um, and, again, trying to hopefully get him back here, although it may be June or so. Um, but filling in for him tonight is our old friend, uh, our good friend. Maybe I shouldn't say our old friend because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though that's our brand, it's Daniel Alex Christopher. <laughs> Uh, oh, hang on. I'm sorry. I think I see some people out on my lawn. I have to yell out first. Um, Alex Christopher from uh, Birds on the Black and Chirps. Um, not been able to do a lot of podcasting as Tara's kind of been out of, out of pocket, but it was good to have Alex here. And Alex, let's, let's start on brand. Cardinals are playing on Apple TV tonight. And that's a little bit this new, new uh, frontier, I guess. For Major League Baseball. Yeah. So every Friday night in my house, we do movie night. So I have not been watching the game. And then after the movie ended, I jumped on here with you. But it's my understanding, and I didn't realize this until this evening when I scanned Twitter for a little bit. But it's my understanding that you don't necessarily have to have an Apple TV sub to watch these games. Is that correct? Yes, somehow. Now, I, I I logged in to Apple TV on my browser, and it gave you the option to watch baseball for free. I did have to log in with my um, Apple ID. I don't know if everybody, if anybody that didn't have an Apple ID would have to create one. I don't know. When I set it hmm. up on my Roku, though, it was going to like, you had to start your free trial or something of that nature. And I was like, well, I don't want to start a free trial because the Cardinals <laughs> yeah, are going to be on for like, you know, they're on like three times through June and that free trial will run out. So, so I don't, so yes, tentatively. <laughs> so I know I'm supposed to hate this, especially because you brought me on here for a reason to, to hate <laughs> things like this, but I have to be honest in that what there are the Cardinals, I think have a, a couple games in this format. I looked at mm-hmm. all the other teams. I don't think I saw a single team with more than three games. Maybe there was one. I don't know. But point being, it's not a whole lot of games in the grand scheme. And so it it doesn't necessarily bother me in a vacuum that Major League Baseball is doing this. Now, it might bother me And I think this might be where other people are kind of concerned in that it might signify where the whole thing could be heading, which is 
having, you know, we've had games on Facebook, we've had games on YouTube, and now this, if people, Peacock TV, I think has something, right? Like if you feel like you right. keep having to reach into these different streaming services or social media outlets to watch a game, rather than just say, hey, no, I have the MLB app. I have, why can't I just watch the games where I paid to watch all the games? Um, but be that as it may, yeah, I can't get too upset about uh, about three games out of 162 being in a hard-to-reach place. Yeah, and now to be fair, as far as I know, and I haven't looked at this, um, but the Apple TV schedule is only released for like the first half, and so the Cardinals may have more games after the All-Star break. That hasn't been announced yet, but it's still going to be you know, probably at the most like six. Um I, I don't have as much of a problem with Apple TV in general because, like you said, you could watch it free. It does sound like the Peacock ones is going to be on like their paid version of the app, which I'm not 100% sure about. And the other problem with the Peacock ones is they're going to start at like 10.30 or 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, um, which is, you know, one, insane, and two, for some people, uh, you know, kind of doing something else on Sunday morning. Um See, I, D- Daniel, I live in Washington, D.C., um, and w- one thing my wife and I have noticed about living in Washington, D.C., because, you know, I, I grew up in a uh, well, somewhat of a small town in the middle of mm-hmm. Illinois, and, and I think what you're just alluding to there, you could not schedule things on like 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning right. and right. expect to have full attendance. That's not how it works in, um, you know, the Sodom and Gomorrah, I guess I live in here in Washington, <laughs> D.C. You would be shocked how many things. And and, and let me be clear, I, I'm not a churchgoer myself, so it doesn't affect really my schedule. But one time, I, I forget what it was that something one of our kids had. And, and yeah, scheduled at like on a Sunday at 11 a.m. or whatever. And we both kind of remarked like, wow, this would not fly or just would not work where mm-hmm. where we are from uh now she's from chicago so a little little different from where i'm from but yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so it, it, i have to be reminded every so often that 11 a.m on a sunday morning is not the same as 11 a.m on a saturday morning because <laughs> they're treated the exact same way here almost yeah and i mean here I don't think it's, it's definitely obviously hadn't gotten to that. I mean, here we're still, you still avoid Wednesday nights a lot of times when you're scheduled. I mean, something scheduled on a Wednesday night, you kind of look like, wow, that's weird. Um, so Sunday morning is, is still kind of a little bit a taboo, but um, yeah, I just, I, I think also though, I mean, just, you know, like I said, it's early. It's, it, there is something maybe, I know what, what did Boston has that, what 11 o'clock game or 10 30 game on Patriots day, right? The Boston marathon and stuff. I mean, it's kind of interesting to have a game every once in a while at, you know, you know, before, you know, it gets done with before lunch or something like that, but it's still just not what we're used to with baseball. Right. I mean, Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, but usually an evening thing to be done with your day i mean i guess that's what people in hawaii have to deal with i mean like they go watch a game and then they have the rest of the day to, to get along with stuff it seems weird yeah i lived in san diego for for a little bit and mm-hmm. it, it is it, it is kind of weird it, it's nice in one way in that 
sort of what you just said. And I, I mostly think about football when it comes to this, yeah. but uh, I know your feelings on football, so I'll, I'll try to keep it to <laughs> baseball. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like you're used to uh, these sports bleeding into your bedtime. And there the games end and you're like, oh, I still have like technically a couple of hours in my day left. What am I supposed to do now? You know, like the Super Bowl ends at nine or or uh, gosh, before that, eight, you know, eight o'clock. Yeah, that is. I guess the only other thing that I is a little bit, I don't want to say disconcerting. It's obviously not a big deal, but, you know, for the most part, up until the last few years, you knew that the game was on what was then Fox sports Midwest. If it wasn't on like the big Fox or ESPN, right? I mean, if it wasn't a national game, it was on that. And now we're starting to get to that. Okay. We got to check the calendar to see where this game is today. You know, what, what, where am I going to be able to watch the Cardinals? It's, it's not too much to that. I mean, it's usually on Valley sports and it's not a big issue, but it's still starting to get to this. Okay. There's like, four or five different places that the game could be where is it well i I think there's also an argument of you know are they saving us from ourselves you know do we need to watch (laughs) do we need to watch 162 baseball games and maybe uh and you know i i don't i I don't watch 162 games anymore you know pre-kids I wire to wire watched as many games as I could. And, mm-hmm. and that was a lot. Um, as you know, once you have kids and your kids are a little older than mine, so it's a bit different, but you know, once you have kids that, that time isn't quite there like it used to. That said, mm-hmm. I still watch as many games as reasonably possible. Meaning if I have nothing else going on or, or that has my um, attention for some reason and the Cardinals are on, I'm watching the Cardinals. Um, but do I need to watch 162 games a year? No, I don't. So if, if I, if I'm still able to access, I don't know, um, if I'm 120, 130 games rather easily, then, then I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't know. And maybe you can tell me if this has been out there and cause you know, I just kind of clicked the pay button and went about my day. Cause what am I going to do? Not, not subscribe to MLB TV, but you know, right. have they at all uh, modified prices since um, they don't carry as many games as they used to? Uh, well, they've modified them in the, in the I'm going up stage. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It, it, it's hard to know to some degree from, you know, again, over the last couple of years, because you know what last year, you know, 2020, you, they charged a price and they either gave you a refund or they applied it to 2021. So like last year, I paid like 40 or 50 bucks. So it's hard to be just sure. But I think it's probably up, you know, 10 bucks or so over what it was two years ago. Um, I, I, could be, I couldn't swear to that. Um, I will say it was interesting. I read today that they're going to, with your MLB subscription, there are going to be selected minor league games now. Uh, probably a little bit of a, hey, if you like this, you'll subscribe to MLB, MILB TV and, and get the extra money that way. But um, maybe it is somewhat to, you know, fill some of this inventory that 
because you know the the game tonight you could not no matter where you were you couldn't watch on mlb tv or the mlb app you it we gave you the link to watch it on apple tv but you couldn't actually watch it in, in that thing so maybe it's their way of trying to keep the inventory the same interesting okay yeah so if you can hear me, if you can hear me typing right now I'll, I'll tell you what i'm doing <laughs> I, I don't know what you just said but you said something <laughs> no neither no, no I, don't, I didn't mean it like that but <laughs> what i meant is i don't know what you just said that made me think of this but for some reason you said something that made me think you know anecdotally i feel like games have been moving a little more swiftly this year. And so I just went to baseball reference to look at the Cardinals uh, uh, page to see, to look at game times and, Mm -hmm. you know, through 11 games, they do, they have, they have three of the 11 under three hours, one at two hours and 36 minutes. That was the six, five win over the Royals. Um, mm-hmm. the uh, 2-1 win over the Brewers last Saturday was 2 hours and 55 minutes and the 5-0 loss to uh, the Marlins last night which I did not see, I was at a concert but judging by my Twitter, everyone hated that game people were people like- were angry Just <laughs> what, I, I don't know what was happening during this game it sounds like one of those where just like you could tell early on like that it was not their night it sounded like a sloppy game in all mm-hmm. aspects um and yeah so people people were not happy but anyway last night was a two hour and 43 minute game so so there you go i i, I just radically changed uh what we were talking about the subject so i apologize but fun. have you felt like uh anecdotally like like these games kind of feel like they're moving a little bit faster or 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 that the pace of play has actually um i don't know but been a little more appealing than in years past or am again is this am i just looking at this from uh i don't know uh through 11 games that are you know don't quite mean anything and i do see some games here here's a three here's a game that took three hours and 51 minutes that was the uh that was the five, six loss to Milwaukee uh, last yeah. Sunday. Um, so, you know, we do have some long ones in there as well, but. Well, and I think partly, I mean, especially like that game against Milwaukee, Milwaukee as well as most sides probably, but definitely, you know, Devin Williams, that inning with Devin Williams probably lasted an hour on its own. It felt like <laughs> um, because he was walking batters and going mm-hmm. deep and stuff like that. I think one of the things that may be the helping the Cardinals pace of play and times is the fact they're not striking out as much. I mean, except for last night um, where they struck out 10 times. No, they struck out 13 times against the Marlins. They've pretty much not been, you know, single digits on the strikeouts. And, you know, if you're not running the count, you know, to the, as it's full length and maybe, you know, getting base hits or getting at least getting out faster, maybe that makes it feel better. And you're not just sitting there watching a whole lot of pitches. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I actually have, that stat in front of me right now. And that is the Cardinals heading into tonight. were striking out 19.8% of the time. And that is second best in the national league, only to the Mets at 19.6. Uh, the NL average right now is 23%. So yeah, you, you're right. They are striking out less. And I, 
And I think Dan might have said in the first game of the Marlins series, because of course, before they ran into Alcantara, who struck out a number and then uh, Lopez, I want to say they were down in the 16, 17% maybe before those two games. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Um, I don't know where they are in walks. My feeling is it's probably kind of low. They're I mean, just below league average. Are you talking about the, uh, their batters? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're walking. They have an 8.8% walk rate and league average is 9.1. So they're right at yeah. league average. Yeah. So, but really what they're, they're getting up, they're ready to hit. It feels, yeah. it's kind of looks like, and that's going to, that's going to move things along. Um, unless you run into a, a pitcher that can't find the strike zone. Um, so, because yeah, I think, I feel like it has, I don't feel like the games that I have watched have dragged too much. Um, just maybe, maybe except for the one on Sunday, just because that did seem to take, it seemed like when you look up, it's like, oh, wow, it's, it's only like the sixth or something like that. But usually you're looking up and it's like, oh, wow, we're, we're already getting to, now it's time for, you know, Gallegos or, or Helsley or somebody like that, you know, moving right along. So I don't know. It's an interesting point. Now I know what I have seen is a lot of, the minor leagues where they've had the pitch clock, those are like being drastically shortened um, by like half an hour or so. So that's probably more fodder for the idea that a pitch clock will be in the major leagues in the next year or two. Now, how do they, what is the batter's responsibility when it comes to the pitch clock? Because obviously he has something to do with it. He, he has to be ready just as much as the pitcher has to be ready. So I assume with the pitch clock, there is either um, a requirement or an assumption that the batter has to be in the box. Yeah. Um, Within a certain amount of time or something, right? Okay. Yeah. If, okay, this is, this was, uh, this was from 2015, but I'm sure it's probably roughly the same thing. Um, Should a pitcher fail to begin or his windup or the motion, in the last 20 seconds of the inning break, the batter will begin with a 1-0 count. Uh, should the batter fail to be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher with five or more seconds remaining on the inning break timer, this is a little bit different, uh, we get with an 0-1 count. So yeah, basically, if they're not in the batter's box ready to hit by the time that clock runs down, then they get the you know get a strike called. Whereas if the pitcher's not ready to throw the ball at that point in time, it's ball Okay, count. that's interesting. And, you know, I, I have said over the last couple of years that I think pace of play has been a legitimate issue in MLB. I don't know if I love the pitch clock. I don't know yeah. if it's a problem that I would almost rather live with than see something like a pitch clock where it all of a sudden feels, I don't know. Not to go all cliche on everyone, but, you know, one of the things that has always been nice about baseball is the fact that there typically is not a clock. Right. Um, right. And to to that there's it's not a sport where the crowd is ever counting down, you know, five, four, three, two, one, like, you know, like in basketball or mm-hmm. or that, you know, everyone's focused on uh, the play clock and football to make sure they get the playoff in time. You know, there's not that sort of level of anxiety. It's it's. It's, you know, kind of when you're ready, <laughs> you can yeah. you can throw a pitch. And if you're not ready, you don't have to throw a pitch. And while that can be annoying, that's also kind of 
a nice change of pace from other sports. So it, it is kind of this push and pull between like, yes, I think pace of play is a problem, but I don't know if I'm ready for the pitch clock yet. But I also haven't, you know, I don't watch minor league baseball. I, I wish I did, but I don't. So I haven't seen it in action either. And maybe it would be something like one of these other rule changes that we've seen the last couple of years that, you know, when they first floated it, everyone's all upset and outraged about mm-hmm. by it. And then once you see it in practice, you don't really notice it. I would like to see if I think I would like to see them keep the pitch clock in the minor leagues. But the idea being that if you've come up, if you're drafted this year and you come up through the minor leagues with a pitch clock, by the time you get to the major leagues, you don't really need one, right? Because you're used to that. That's your rhythm. Um, I would like to see them do something like that rather than try to force, you know, some of these guys that haven't done this their whole career. Because, I mean, if you're required to, oh, man, imagine if Steve Trashell had to do a pitch clock. I mean, (laughs) what was the old saying about, I don't know if it was about him, maybe it was about somebody else that you could time him with a sundial, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if you try to take a guy that's deliberate and force him into that, it's, it's not going to be good for him. The results are not going to be good for him. And I think to some degree that's not fair to him. Um, But if you've got guys that are coming up through the minor leagues and that's, you know, it's kind of the same argument we made about the DH, right? Um, Pitchers didn't hit in the minor leagues. If they had hit in the minor leagues, they might've hit better in the major leagues. Um, They didn't. And so now we have that abomination. So, um, you know, I would rather them just focus on, training the players to not need it. Of course, there's also the idea that, you know, umpires should just enforce this stuff, right? Make them get in the box, make them throw a pitch. Of course you, yeah, you missed this last. Did you, uh, did you see the highlights last night of Aaron Brooks ignoring Yadier Molina? I did not. So jazz Chisholm takes two pitches from Aaron Brooks, both called strikes, both upper part of the zone after the second pitch, he gets out and yabbers to the umpire long enough that the umpire basically you know, claps his hands, so let's go. And, he, you know, basically the next pitch is a strike if he could just throw it. And Yachty frantically gestures for Brooks to throw the pitch, only for Brooks to kind of come to a set and start looking for a sign and things of that nature. And by the time he's ready to throw it, Chisholm's ready and Yachty has to call time. And, of course, by the time the next pitch, Chisholm hits a home run. So, you know, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you train them or not. They still have to actually throw the ball, I guess, is the kicker. Um, if the umpire, because the umpire was trying to enforce, that's what I was starting with. He was trying to enforce that idea of, of you know, moving the game along and the pitcher wouldn't let him. Well, this conversation and that anecdote you just relayed reminds me of, I, I think, something Joe Sheehan wrote in a newsletter several years back when he was addressing pace of play. And he he conceded that it was all that it was a problem, but he also noted that, you know, the pitchers, the, their livelihood, I mean, I, livelihood might not be the words he used, but, you know, their mm-hmm. career, their salary is is based on their performance. And so uh, a lot's going into what they're doing out there. Um, and so. 
he was kind of just saying like, yeah, it stinks that games take so long, but I get it. I get why pitchers right. are very careful with what they're trying to throw and they don't want to, they want to make sure that, you know, that they're not pitching until they are dang sure they're ready. Um, mm-hmm. And a, a, a part of me kind of feels, feels that way. And, and I, and I get that. Um, so if, if a baseball game is at three hours, that's perfect in my opinion. Um, and, and we don't have to, uh, you know, worry too much one way or the other. It's, it's when the games and, you know, I'm not talking about postseason baseball because that's just Ooh. a whole different animal, but it's when the regular season games, you know, are consistently at three and a half hours. Um, and I, I shouldn't say that because they're not consistently at, at three and a half hours. I think they're closer to three than three and a half hours. Although I don't know what the average was mm-hmm. last year. Um, Let's see. Anyway, uh, this is very good old man stuff, though, complaining about. Uh, but, three, but hours, <laughs> three hours and 10 minutes. You, you said something. Okay, three hours, and 10 minutes. That's not yeah, That's not too bad. That's not offensive no. to me. Um, you, you did say something about enforcing rules, and it reminded me of, I think it was, gosh, it was one of the games. It was the only game I actually was able to watch against the Marlins because I was at a concert on tuesday and thursday night so it was the wednesday night game mm-hmm. uh Lewis threw a pitch it bounced and hit the batter who not necessarily mm-hmm. on purpose but hit the batter because he kind of stuck his foot out um right. you know what play i'm talking about right and yep. Yep. Uh, yeah it, there was a challenge and then eventually he was awarded uh first base uh who what i'm I, i'm trying to remember who was up i don't even remember Boy, I think that might have been Chisholm too. I'm not 100% okay. sure. Though. He seems like he's in the middle of a lot of stuff <laughs> when the Cardinals are Well, I was hoping during that challenge that they would basically come back and say, yeah, it hit him, but it didn't need to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hit him more because of the bat, more because of the batter than the pitch. And so, therefore, why don't you just stay where you are and let's keep this uh, at bat going? Um, Obviously, that's not what happened, and he got first. And I, I think every umpire in the league would have given him first, you know. Uh, but, but by the way we do uh, uh, hit-by-pitches these days, that that's almost automatic, automatically given. Um, but it surprises me the type of stuff. Like, you know, John Jay, I think, was always a very good guy getting getting hit. And, and sometimes well, I'd be I, like, I gosh, Sosa. what's that? Oh yeah, and yeah. Med- 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 now. absolutely. And I remember thinking, "Gosh, like that just doesn't feel right to me." <laughs> and I, I do kind of wish they would enforce that a little bit more. Which is like, you do need to make some sort of concerted effort to get out of the way of the pitch. Um, right. Standing there and letting it hit you is not enough. Well, uh, it's, it it was the. A, it was a, one of the A's like the first week of the season this year, there was that clip going around where the pitcher, you know, threw the ball and he basically wound up sticking his butt out and hitting the ball, you know, bouncing it off of him like that. Um, yeah. he could easily missed it. He kind of, you know, flexed into it. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, especially now in the post Barry Bonds era, because that's who I think of starting this where everybody's got, you know, shin guards and arm pads and all this other stuff. I mean, not that they can't still get hurt with that, but I think it's a little bit different than 
back in the eighties where, you know, those guys weighed 185 pounds. And if you hit them, they might've actually broken a bone. Um, yeah, that, uh, that ace player, when he got hit in the butt, it looked like one of those old black and white videos of like a guy taking a cannonball to the chest. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I agree that you would have been, it was actually, uh, I looked it up. It was Jesus Sanchez that got hit. That's right. Um, that's right. I'm not trying to, but, um, I, I agree. I, I, that one was a little bit interesting because one angle looked like he stuck his foot out one. Some angles didn't, but there are so many guys. I mean, golly, how many times have we seen Anthony Rizzo get hit? I mean, and, and you know, if he didn't, if he'd moved, it'd have been a strike, you know, that kind of stuff. I agree that they should enforce that rule a lot more, but you know, they don't. And it's, it's really interesting that they're going to bring in like a pitch clock when there are rules on the, you know, of, of, pace of play that we've kind of seen that they could enforce that they just don't want to anymore. Yeah. So, uh, I see we have finished tonight's game. Cardinals win four to two. Um, that puts them, what does that put them like eight, eight and eight and four? four. Well, the Cardinals won seven of the first 10 games this season and they're now eight and four. Do you know when the Cardinals last had a winning record after their first 10 games? Um, 2015? I'd just like to guess that. Close. 2016, actually. They, okay. they started 64. That, that was the season. Do you remember they – I think they – lost their first three games. I think they got swept by the Pirates to open the series, but then they won like six in a row. Then they their offense just went on a tear for a couple games, um, if you remember that. Um, 26, 2015, they started uh, seven and three. So that was the last time they had the same record after 10 games as this year. Um, I bring that up only because, and I think I said this to Tara, in our one and only chirps episode of this season, uh, right before the season started, which was that, you know what? I would just like to see the team get out of the gate with a nice record because it feels yeah. like it had been, it's been a while since that, that has happened. And, and that, that is true that they've had a lot of five and fives, four and six starts. Um, now right. again, as we've said several times in this episode, we don't need to remind anyone that they play 162 games. And so uh, one sixteenth of that uh, it does not make a season. Uh, but it is, isn't it nicer to start off the season like this? I mean, obviously, right? Obviously. But right, right. even knowing that, look, this is by no means the entire season. And, you know, there's still a long way to go. It's still so much nicer to have, like, this sort of record and you're not like feeling like, oh gosh like two weeks into the season and we're already you know but we're already complaining about this we're complaining about that um not that there aren't things to complain about but it doesn't feel like the last couple of years where we just feel like oh gosh we might have a crummy team on our hands which yeah. even though that that has never turned out to be the case <laughs> it has certainly felt that way after um the first couple of weeks uh, to start several seasons. I mean, in 2017, they started off three and nine, if you remember that. Oh, it seems about right. Yeah. Now I was looking it up and I, and I don't, I'm just looking at the monthly, so I don't know how it breaks up. You know, the 2019 at the end of April was 19 and 10. So that was, 
I'm sure they kind of got off at a slow start and then kicked it in. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a lot better. Um, I, you know, I do get a little concerned because we've had such bad, like second or third months lately. So mm-hmm. you need all the, all the good wins in, in April that you can get to stave off anything that might be coming in May or June. Um, well, but you're right. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But oh, what you just said reminded me that, like, you know, last year, I, I think by the end of the season, I think the Cardinals were a better team than the Brewers. But mm-hmm. because wins in April count just as they do in August and September, the Brewers were the rightful winners of the division because they were better over the course of the season, even though I think the Cardinals were the actual better team at the conclusion of the season. And so, yeah. so it is nice to kind of, you know, bank these wins for when, like you said, they might, you know, they're going to go through a, a rough patch eventually. And so there you go. It would be interesting to look at what the early schedule has looked like for them as well, because, you know, this year they played Pittsburgh, they played Kansas city, they played yeah. Miami and they've now playing <laughs> yes. Cincinnati. They have that set. They have that set with a Milwaukee in there, and that's yeah. fair. Um, and uh, the Marlins are probably better than their record is showing right now. Um, but there is some of that, you know. But they, they feel like they've started with Pittsburgh a number of times, or had Pittsburgh at least in the first week or so over the last few years. And um, and this is also the first time they've started the season at off at home in a long time. Yeah, uh, to the extent yeah. that that matters. Uh, yeah, um, which given this team and given this pitching staff, especially kind of constructed for Bush Stadium, it's it probably plays a non-zero, if shall we say, uh, factor in there. I don't know how much, but it probably does have some impact. Um, so yeah, we're we're eleven games in. Um, besides the fact that it's good that they've they're winning ball games. What else sticks out for you? I think what sticks out to me is that Chinatown meme that the Cardinals off day guys uh, <laughs> posted. Um, I, I think it had to do with someone pointing out Tommy Edmonds, um, you know, uptick in slugging this year. And right. uh, that meme being, uh, uh, forget it, Jake, it's April. If, if Have you seen the movie Chinatown? I have not, but I know what I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. References. yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's hard to really, and you know, this as much as anyone. Um, and back when I used to actually write about baseball, I remember thinking it was harder to write about baseball in April than it was in the off season. Cause in the off season, you could kind of just let the mind go wild and you can speculate and you can talk about like, well, what if they did this trade? What if they did that trade? What can we expect? Blah, blah, blah. But then the season yeah. starts and because you have actually actual stats in front of you, there's this urge to draw some meaning from it because you've been dying to do that for the last six months when you've had nothing. Um, But everyone knows you really don't want to do that because you're going to probably end up looking foolish if you try to draw too many conclusions from 12 games. I mean, I've read so many um, positive pieces about Ryan Helsley the last couple of days and he's thrown four innings. All right. 
Um, and and don't get me wrong, I I I've I I think Ryan Helsley has a lot of potential. I've always um, I, I, that oh, gosh was that against Milwaukee where he came in and kind of saved that inning and and struck yeah, the guy okay. out with that one one fastball. That was yeah that that four seamer that was great. Um, so I, I'm by no means not a Ryan Helsley fan. It's just you just have to be careful with you know what are, obviously. Paul Goldschmidt's not going to go the whole season with a uh, 25 WRC plus or whatever he had entering. Yeah, entering. Hopefully not. yeah probably went up today. I saw he had a couple of hits. Uh, yeah. So that's my big disclaimer before what I'm about to say, which is that I'm pretty pleased with the team so far. The offense looks risky I, I i they look like a team that's going to get on base and not kill rallies with as we've seen with like the you know you have a man on first and third and no outs or one out and then a couple strikeouts later and you feel like the inning has kind of been wasted uh mm-hmm. this doesn't feel like that team um as far as the pitching goes which was all of our concern heading into the season most of our concerns at least it the last couple of years with the Cardinals pitching, it, it's I, I think of like you know life finds a way, Jurassic Park. Like it just seems like they find a way to make it work, even when it looks like it should not. And maybe that could happen this year if Miles Michaelis is as good as he's been after 16 innings. Uh, he looks great. He looks great. He, the some of the uh, curveballs he was throwing the other night looked really good. If yeah, so. I'm pretty pleased. I and again, it, it we need to know. We've had four games against the Pirates and Royals, uh, three games against the Marlins, and now one game against the Reds. Um, so, not the greatest competition so far. But <laughs> there's not a ton for me to complain about. And last thing, all the shots of Pujols in the dugout and people like laughing with him and just having a good time. It looks, I, I, I enjoy just seeing this team play, seeing the characters that they have out there. I forgot what it was like to have someone of Pujols' stature on the team. And that's with having Wainwright and Yachty, but like Pujols is a different animal, like a, a top tier hall of famer on the team. Um, even though he's not the the player he he once was, in, as he was the, in his first go around with the Cardinals, but there's just a different feel with a guy like that when you see mm. him in the dugout and and see him come up to the plate. I don't know quite how to describe it, but I'd kind of forgotten that feeling, and it's still like I still kind of do a double take sometimes when I see him like in a Cardinals uniform. And like, oh wait, that's not Anaheim red. That is Cardinals red that he is wearing right now. Yeah, yeah. And I was listening to the guys, the the talk about birds guys, and they mentioned that they don't know that they've ever seen Pujols this loose, maybe happy, because um, he was always I agree. Yeah, jovial. He was, you know, he he enjoyed. He was he would smile and stuff like that. But he was so focused those ten or eleven years that he was there you know, so it had to be, to be what he was. And now, you know, he's, he's kind of gotten to that point where it's like, Hey, this is the last ride. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm hanging out with my best friends and I'm on a winning team. And, you know, this is basically 
the best I can hope for. And yeah, I think the if chemistry means anything, and we can argue how much it actually means, um, this team has it. Um, they're a loose, they're, you know, fairly goofball. I mean, Adam Wainwright always been a goofball, but now he's got, you know, two partners in crime instead of just one. Um, it's, it's infectious. And I mean, I feel like you've got guys like, like Newt Barr and things of that nature that, you know, are also willing to be, you know, kind of open and personable and, you know, we know Bader and, and all those that have, have it as well. So I, I think this is a team that people can really like and a team that people will enjoy watching. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see how, how well they they play and, you know, when they get into maybe some tougher competition. But, you know, on the flip side, how much tougher competition are they going to have too? They play a lot of games in the NL Central and the NL Central is not necessarily that great. Um, you know, at some point in time, they'll have to play the Dodgers. They get the Mets next week and the Mets mm-hmm. are off to a good start. Um, but they're going to play a lot of, you know, kind of mediocre teams this year. And if they can do what they've been doing to mediocre teams so far, they're going to put up a lot of wins. That is a good point. And I think that has been uh, a key to the Cardinals success. Not the only key, obviously, but, mm-hmm. you know, since 2000, let's not forget, we, we have benefited a lot by being able to play the pirates a lot by being able to play the reds a lot. Like both yeah. those teams have been, you know, good at different times, but for the most part, you're right. I, I don't think the NL central has quite been some of the, like the, like the AL East or, or something like that. There's been a few years, like I guess 2015 would come to mind when, um, when mm-hmm. it was, you had three teams winning in the upwards of 90 games, but yeah, you're exactly right. And as for that chemistry thing, um, can I um, offer what might be a full of crap uh, theory? <laughs> sure. Okay. It's nice to have somebody else do that besides me. So, okay. <laughs> well, I feel as though we've read things before that hinted at the idea that Yadier Molina didn't love the idea of being a mentor whether it was to Carson Kelly um, and then to Andrew Kisner. Like, I'm not making this up, right? We have heard those rumblings that, like, he he wasn't quite ready to accept that role of showing the new guy, hey, this is how you do it, and also maybe taking a few more days off um, to kind of further that goal. Right? Like, yeah, that's not unfair to say. I don't think so. So you bring in Albert Pujols and we've already talked about, or other people already talked about like some of the, some of the pros to bringing a guy like Pujols in even beside, even beyond the whole nostalgia factor, which to me is not trivial. Like that's, that's Mm. been, I love that. I, I enjoy that aspect of it, but there's also the fact that he's a great clubhouse guy. He's, He's one of the smartest baseball players I've ever seen. Um, and um, early returns kind of show that, who knows, maybe he can still hit the ball pretty well, too. We'll see. <laughs> um, but he has always been, or at least what we've read about his time in Anaheim and then also with the Dodgers, he's been a great mentor to younger players. Right, right. And... Before he came back to St. Louis, Yadier Molina was kind of 
if not the alpha dog in the clubhouse, I hate to use that term, but I don't know how, what, how else to say it. If he was not the alpha dog, he was one of the alpha dogs in the clubhouse. Well, now you have Albert Pujols in the clubhouse, who I would have to think would um, kind of take that title back. He is the main big guy in the clubhouse, and he mm-hmm. is big on mentoring players. And having that is influential on a player like Yadier and Molina to say, you know what, maybe it is okay to take Kisner under my wing and say, you know, let me let me tell you about this, let me tell you about that. Maybe it is okay to, you know, not play 80%, 85% of the games. Is that a crazy thing to say? No, I don't that, think that so. could have um, that sort of influence. And again, I want to say I want to preface this by saying I noted at the beginning of this that that this might be totally full of crap. <laughs> I don't think it's uh, I think there's something to that. I think that it would be interesting to see the alternate universe where Pujols doesn't sign and see what Yachty's doing. If Yachty still feels like he has to play all the time, or if if age has really kind of gotten to Yachty, at least even to the set that he knows he can't play every day or needs to, or he's not getting a choice. I think mm-hmm. I feel like Ali Marmol has kind of shown he'll do what he wants to do. And it doesn't really matter that he has legends in the bull in the dugout. He's going to, you know, he's going to play them when he needs to play them. Um, and so I think even without pools, maybe, but Yachty might not be enjoying himself as much, you know, and we might have gotten to Instagram or something like that by now. Um, (laughs) So I think that helps. I think it definitely does help to kind of accept, see, seeing what Albert has accepted, what this, where he is, you know, that it's his last year that he can, he can help the team, but it has to be in limited doses that he's better when he doesn't play as much. I, I think that has to at least have some impact on Yachty. Yeah, I hope so. And again, early returns, but Yachty doesn't look that great right now. Right. Uh, the the throw to you know just one, just one play, but mm. the when he skied the ball over second base, which I almost never see him do. Uh, yeah. When I forget who was trying to steal second, then ended up taking third on the when he overthrew second. Uh, I'm just gonna guess Jazz Chisholm because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> If you keep going, I'll yeah, we'll just use him as like the avatar for any 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 time <laughs> we're trying to, anytime we're trying to remember a guy, we'll just throw <laughs> him in. Um, he it, it he yeah he just kind of looked old. Uh, yeah. Looking at the replays of that, but you know, I, I, you also don't want to doubt someone like Yadier Molina because he has shown time and time again that that is not a wise thing to do, but. I think it's also important to note he's allowed to look old because he is old and he plays the right. most grueling position uh, perhaps in all of the major sports. Uh, and he's earned, he's earned this. So uh, even if he is bad this year, uh, I certainly will not complain about him one iota because yeah, he's, he's earned the right to be bad. Yeah. It was just Chisholm. I got that one right. Okay, there um, But yeah, cause I mean, he threw the guy out on, opening day against Pittsburgh. But even then it was like, you know, if they had replayed it, would, they, would he have been out? Um, he's not gotten anything but a single yet. He hasn't walked yet 
or at least before going into well i didn't play tonight so yeah um but you're right i mean he's a almost 40 year old catcher that's that's what it's gonna be and and i think it's i think that's easier to swallow when they're playing Kisner, right i mean that was the problem with Matt Carpenter the last couple of years until the, you know, the last half of last season, you know, Mike Schilt and company kept running him out there every day. And everybody's like, look, the guy's toast, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you know, and you can't be batting Matt Carpenter, you know, third, you know, why are you running him out there? Um, if you're seeing Yachty three times a week, even if he's hitting 150, um, I think you can handle that a lot more because it is, it's like for services rendered. Um, and, you know, I would be interesting to see, of course you can't really do it with the way the rosters are, but you know, if they could find a guy that could maybe also be a catcher so that they could, you know, if, if Yachty started a game and they wanted to take him out and let Kisner play the rest of the way, um, but Marmol might be worth gambling on that because I mean, how often do I mean? Yes, you're kind of putting yourself in a position where you could be hurt, but very rarely does that happen. So, uh, oh, you, you meaning like hurt. not all of a sudden then Kisner gets hurt and you, you're left with that? Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I think a lot of people worry about that when you know it didn't happen. Well, because we've talked about it the last couple of years, right? When like Bat Weeders was available, it's like why don't you DH him or let him pinch hit or you know, why can't you use both of them? And it's like, oh, we got to keep him, you know, in case Yachty gets hurt or, you know, we can't do, you know, don't want it to, to lose a catcher. It's like, you know, you can get by for the next day and Ivan Herrera can be up here the next day. You know, you can make the roster move if you need to. Um, somebody can catch the ball for the next few innings. It won't be pretty, but who cares? You'll get out of it. Well, so. You bringing up, Matt Weeters reminded me of the uh, the Brian Pena era. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How many plate appearances do you think he took for the Cardinals? In two, it was he was with the team in 2016. Let's see, that was one of the years that Yachty got set out for like a month with a thumb or anything like that. I don't think so. Let's say eighty. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah. 14. 14. Brian Bain had 14 plate appearances for the Cardinals in 2016. Um, two hits, uh, one double, and uh, that's about all she wrote. Uh, he had a 154, 214, 231 line. Yeah. 14. Wow. I, I Did he get hurt in spring training? He must have. Is that what happened, if, if I'm trying to remember? So. And then he was released – halfway through the year maybe seems like that's the case because let's see because i remember um, when they signed him yeah because that's the year they got eric fryer that was the the year that fryer played oh yeah and um i think if i'm right that was the year that fryer did so well and then brandy and pena got came back off the dl and they let fryer go he went to pittsburgh and then like two days later that's or right. maybe the same day pena got hurt again and they had to go with Michael McHenry, I think. And uh, they used Alberto Rosario some of that year too. But yeah, it was like, oh, we had the one guy that was actually hitting and we let him go because Brian Pena was back and that blew up on him. So yeah, I think there was something 
to that. Well, I, I um, do remember people uh, being uh, very concerned that we were about to be haunted by Eric Fryer on the Pirates, and he was going to crush us every time we face him. But that I, I don't think that turned out to be the case. I think he had like one, like maybe the first game they played, he but, had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's it. where a lot of that came from. Yeah. Well, in 16 was one of those years that Pittsburgh was pretty good too, right? I mean, 15 was the year that they were in the playoffs. I think they dropped off in 2016 they dropped because off? they were in the playoffs in 2013, 14, and 15. Okay, it was 13, 14, 15. And okay. 2013 was, was the first year since 92 that they finally finished above 500 mm-hmm. uh, since they uh, – last year with bonds which ended with the francisco cabrera uh single um i love the fact that you know they won what 97 games that year and they still didn't pass had had the cardinals so your streak is was alive well i I love the fact that they had those three years where they were good and every year the cardinals were just a little bit better and and (laughs) to keep the uh you know the streak that we love so much that the cardinals have finished ahead of the pirates every year since 1999 to keep that streak Mm -hmm. intact um I don't know how many people in Pittsburgh pay attention to this streak, but I got to think someone was like, gosh, what do we have to do to, to uh, be better than the Cardinals? Um, uh, obviously yeah. they have much bigger concerns <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> now they're just trying to be better than the Memphis Cardinals. Right yeah. Now, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, interesting to say yeah the, i do wonder uh, i'm not sure exactly where we started this tangent but um <laughs> sorry that's fine. that's fine no yeah, it's my, yeah. always my fault i believe yeah no we're good i think it's much more entertaining this way um but i do wonder what the cardinals how the history how the last decade of the cardinals would have been different had they been in the national league west or the national league east probably especially the west though right because if you're out in the west you're not winning a division the way well, the Cardinals have been the last couple of the last few years without putting some more money or more players into this. Well, that's what I was about to ask you. Do you think DeWitt handles the finances a bit differently if they're in a different division and he feels like that's what he has to do to win that sort of whatever that number of games is that he likes to have that? I say I say him because he's the owner, but I don't know if right. he's actually like, you know, kind of saying like, this is a right where we want to be. Um, I know he's the one saying that when it comes to money and stuff, but um, I wonder if he'd be more flexible if he felt like, well, shoot, we're competing with the Giants and Dodgers here. We need to have a team that's going to, on paper, win 93, 94 games. I am more forgiving of ownership than some people are. Um, hello, Benz. Um, but... I, I think so. I think I think he wants to be. I think the Dewitt family wants to be competitive. Um, now, do they want to make money as they doing it? Yes. And are they going to go over the top to win? No. I think we've proven that. But you know, um, if one hundred and sixty million dollar payroll wins you or at least it has you competing for the NL Central, they'll do that. If they were in the National League West and they thought that a $200 million payroll was needed to compete, I think they would be more aggressive in their dealings. Now, to be fair, finances would be a little bit different and blah, 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 blah. But I think for the most part, they want to bring 
competitive baseball to St. Louis. They want to do it, you know, smart. If you will question, you know, they want to do it for the, you know, get more bang for their buck, blah, 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 whatever. Instead of, you know, putting the foot down and pedal to the pedal and, and things that we've talked about in the past of, you know, Hey, go get a Bryce Harper when you don't necessarily need him. And, you know, imagine how good you can be. Um, well, what's funny and believe me, I'm, I'm not saying this as a defense or criticism or whatever of ownership, but mm-hmm. just more as statement of fact, but in 2015, the team payroll was right in line with league average. Mm-hmm. And since then, starting in 2016, it has been well above league average. Um, and that's funny to me because I feel like that's when we all started to kind of start getting mad at the, at, <laughs> the Cardinals ownership. Um, uh, now, that doesn't mean they're spending money wisely or or whatever or, you know, they've right. had a, they've had several misses. Um here and there um i think i, I my legitimate my cons- my criticisms of this ownership group would mostly fall on like i let's use let's use last year as an example and i, I think milwaukee turned out to be a bit better than a lot of people thought they were going to be mm-hmm. but just the several years where it looks like, look, the division is there for the taking and it's not going to take a look much more to right, have that right. team that's going to win that division. And they, and I, I, I think this year is, is another example and, and they, and they haven't done that now. Now maybe they know s- stuff. And of course they do that, that I don't know, which is like, maybe mm-hmm. they're like, Hey, look, we didn't sign Mark Marcus Stroman because of X, Y, and Z um, or, fill in the blank of whoever good pitchers from the last couple of years. Um, so that, 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 that's my thing with them is that they, that they really do. Uh, there's this idea, this meme that, you know, look, they, they just want to win. They just want to have a team that's going to win 89 or 90 games so mm-hmm. they can spend a certain amount, but still be in a good position to make the playoffs rather than, spend a certain amount and have a team that's going to win 95, 96 games. I don't know for a fact that that's true of their thinking, but it's pretty hard to uh, dispute that based on what we've seen um, the last, I guess, 10 years of of Cardinals baseball. Um, Are are there teams, are are most teams in a much worse position than the Cardinals? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about a franchise that's had one, losing season since 1999 and that has not had a losing season since what 2007 so Mm -hmm. uh we are spoiled um but we're spoiled because this has been one of the marquee franchises in mlb for basically since mlb has really truly mattered so yeah we expect things but there's a reason for that um we Cardinal fans think the team should be at a certain level. And I, I think Cardinals fans wouldn't be doing their job if they weren't constantly harping on like, hey, look, we want this team to be great. It doesn't mean that we are all secretly great GMs and know how to make that team great. But 
Yeah, we're going to be loud if we think the team isn't doing all they can to make that team great. Uh, you know, then again, they look at, um, I think they look at a bigger picture than we do at times too. Um, I think back to, what was it? 2019, 20, 2018, 2019, maybe it was 2019. That, that rumor at the trade deadline, right? With uh, Zach Wheeler for, Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill, And of course we weren't really, even then we didn't really want to move Tyler O'Neill, but we were like, Harrison Bader just, it doesn't feel like he's going to ever click. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a fourth outfielder. You really need to get the guy, you get a pitcher like that, like Wheeler when they desperately need pitching, you know, they don't make that trade. And Wheeler's been good since then, but he was a free agent. You don't know that you could have resigned him. And obviously Bader has developed into at least last year, especially a little bit more than we, we thought it would be. Um, you know, I look at Marcus Stroman right now, and again, three games. So he's only made three starts for the Cubs, he's but he's got an eight seven. Yeah, he's got an eight seventy eight ERA. Do you think that people? I mean, people already not weren't that thrilled with Stephen Matz's first outing. I can't imagine what they would have done, you know, with uh, with this for the money that you paid Stroman. Now, Stroman could easily still have the better year. Don't get me wrong, and, and very well may, but. You know, I, I do tend to maybe give them too much credit, but I feel like I know how wrong I have been over pretty much everything over the last almost 15 years. Um, and unfortunately, it's down in writing. Um, <laughs> so I give them a little bit more of a, of a uh, you know, benefit of the doubt sometimes. Uh, and they've gotten I, it wrong they, and they will say that. But I, I think at times they do you know, have at least to have a plan that we don't get to see. I, well, to that, I, I was pretty loud, at least on chirps and saying that I never thought Tyler O'Neill was going to stick. I just hmm. didn't think a guy who struck out 35 to 40% of the time could, could ever be a reliable player. Um, and gosh, maybe the Cardinals felt that way too, which is why, um, Last season was the first time he ever had more than what 160 plate appearances. Um, yeah. But but last year kind of came out of nowhere for me, whereas other people kind of kind of saw that potential for for um, kind of from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not I'm I'm never try to claim that like you know my opinions matter on some level that's above just. <laughs> you're a very normal average fan, I, I think. And I think about, you know, again, from my personal aspect, I would have loved to see them get Bryce Harper. And I get that. But if they got Bryce Harper, we don't get Nolan Arenado. And I've been a big fan of Nolan for a long, long time. So I'm kind of yeah. glad that worked out. You know, it's like leaving themselves, because I do think they had an eye on, on him, maybe not this early, but they thought they would try to, do something there. Um, so again, some of it is keeping powder and some of it's just, you know, yeah, they're making a ton of money. Um, they're also making debt payments on the stadium, which is not something every ownership is doing. Um, but yeah, again, I'm not saying that they're in this, you know, altruistically or anything like that. They're not obviously not turning down. They, they seem to be doing all right for themselves. Um, but, you know, we're also at 
16 years of Bush Stadium and they're not like Atlanta or Texas advocating for a new stadium either. So, um, you know, there's, I, I guess, it, and, it, and, and we just, I mean, again, I think somebody else, I think Jeff Jones wrote this today. It can easily be worse. I mean, we just see since we see what Cincinnati's going through and with their ownership that really has come out basically and said, we don't care. <laughs> You're going to be a Reds fan. We can kind of do whatever we want to do. Um, My you know, God. whether it's yeah. just, yeah, whether it's lip service or whatever, there's no doubt that the Cardinal ownership has at least put up the public face that they want to win. That Cincinnati situation is a disaster. That guy sounded yeah. like a total jerk with those comments and the fact that he doubled down when kind of uh, uh, pushed back when a reporter kind of, yeah. you know, grilled him on it on the field. And then it took him the third try to kind of come out with a uh, apology. Um, well, when, when the PR guys got to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but you, you know this as much as I do. Cincinnati is a great baseball town. They have a ton mm-hmm. of history. Uh, I've said before, I don't know if fans of the Cardinals or the Reds would like this, but if there's – there's a franchise in terms of just like culture and the size of the market and everything else that kind of most mirrors the Cardinals. It's probably the Reds. Um, And to see what that ownership group has like done to that team would be so frustrating. Um, I, I don't know how I would be able to take it uh, personally. Like, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be watching whatever amount of games we were talking about earlier. Like, well, I can still watch this many games, you know. I, I think I would have to have a really good reason to watch them. Um, and, yeah, the, as far as that goes, we as Cardinal fans are in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like such like a baseball problem where there are just too many owners acting in that capacity, which is really bad for the sport. And and we can't, we cannot gloss over what, you know, Bill DeWitt's contribution to, you know, Rob Manfred as, as ownership. I mean, and his, you know, maybe oversized influence on the other owners who just got done locking out players trying to, you know, keep the costs down. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that everything's hunky dory there uh, at all, because there is definitely it, it's like <laughs> the best of a bad lot. Maybe I guess maybe the best way to putting it uh, or not even the best, but one of the better ones of, you know, what could be terrible because I can't. Oh, man, you're right. My father in law was a huge Reds fan. He passed away in 15 and I, I, I just don't know. If he hadn't, he probably would have now because I just don't know <laughs> how he could have survived this. I mean, he would have. He would have listened to every game and stuff, but he would he would not have been happy about it, I don't think. Um, so we've gone about an hour. Um, I've enjoyed the conversation, but there is one thing we have to mention before we leave because I have a reputation to uphold. The Cardinals made their a little bit surprising. This is their, as far as I know, first roster move of the year. We're three weeks in, and this is their first roster move of the year, putting Drew Verhagen on the disabled list and bringing up Packy Naughton. And now that's not a huge issue, except for the fact that Packy Naughton is going to wear seventy. Um, so it's uh, another pitcher wearing seventy. Uh, 
it's it's good to have the number back in the major leagues. I know you don't care, Alex, but you know I appreciate you that humoring me. Well, what what is special to you about the number seventy? Should I know this? Well, I mean, I'm, I, I am Cardinal seventy. I have this is kind of the whole tie-in, so I've just kind of adapted it. But it's McGuire seventy home runs. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so anytime, and the number has not been used much. I mean, Tyler Lyons used it. What what's it been now? 16, 17 when he came up. I don't remember. It may have probably been farther than that because I'm old. Well, the reason um, why I asked is because, you know, my, my Twitter handle is uh, AlexCard79 because I was born right. in 79, right? right? And so I do remember right. thinking like, wait, was Shop Top born in 1970? Not quite that old. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was I'm like, no, he, I know he's not. He's not that old. No, I was born in 75. So <laughs> okay. I am older than you because there's... <laughs> It's it's apparently a cardinal law right now that no podcaster can be older than me because <laughs> um, I haven't found one yet. Um, but yeah, it's McGuire's. You know, I got on I got online in '99 first time and you know had to create an I had a name yeah. and it was you know obviously on a cardinal board. Cardinal is pretty much going to be taken, so I threw seventy on the end and well, it stuck. L- let me ask you a quick question about uh, mm-hmm. the seventy home runs in 1998. How how did you follow that that whole thing? Um, how did it variety work back then? I'll tell you how, how I did it, but I'm curious how, yeah. how, how you followed. Um, and when I say follow, I'm, I'm talking about the home runs. Cause that's what I remember. Right. Mo- I, you know, I, I was obviously yeah. wanting them to win, but I was really t- tuning into the games or reading about the games to find out if McGuire homered. You know, I remember at the beginning of the year, his grand slam to open the season. I watched on the early version of game day on ESPN, you know, the, the little graphics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I know by the end of the season, by the end of the year, you know, when he was on, you know, all, every Cardinal game was on Fox and they were cutting into his at bats. I'd see him on ESPN and Fox, but you know, back then we couldn't watch every game. So I, right. during the year, I think it was just kind of either following it on the radio or, you know, reading the, internet stories the next day or something or i was it, it wasn't that because i knew i knew of it when it happened but i think it was just you know watching news and trying to keep up with stuff I, but it's really a good question because i don't remember i'm so used to you know, oh i was following on twitter or you know <laughs> things of that nature um to how i was knowing this stuff at the time without i mean except we had the basics of the internet so there's probably some of that going on too but um and i feel like i did listen to because that was the year that you could stream kmox through the cardinal website um it was before it got all put up under the umbrella of mlb tv and oh, i didn't pay that. for it all that stuff yeah it was um because I, I i lived in little rock at the beginning of the year and i moved back here to russville um in the middle of it. So that's that year kind of sticks out. And I do remember listening, I think, I think in 98, at least 98 or 99, it might've been 99 that did that. But um, the first year of internet stuff, you could, they would stream the games through the website. Um, and then it was like the next year MLB said, Hey, we can package this all together and make money off of it. And they took care of that. But I, I would guess, how, how did you do it? I mean, you had a little bit better seat, I would think. Yeah, well, not really. I, I was a I was a freshman. I was in college. I was a freshman when that season started, and then I was a sophomore when uh, when he broke the record. But 
it was either ESPN or CBS. I think it was CBS Sports. Had mm-hmm. I would log on and they had like their equivalent of like game day, or, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Like like, uh, gosh, what, what do you call it when you kind of like watch the game on your computer and you have the guy in the like like you know I think of the little um the like the little graphics like the game gamecast or whatever yeah whatever yeah, you want to yeah, call it yeah gamecast yeah. they had their that kind of a bare bones version of that i think it was cbs sports um and you wouldn't see like an actual guy standing there and a pitcher and stuff like that but you would just they, they did have a diamond and if a player was on first it would be like lit up or, or whatever but they had on the left side like a tally of like who's up and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i would just have to kind of i would always have that on uh, my computer on my desk and would just every couple minutes come and hit refresh because i think you had to hit refresh for it wouldn't just do it on mac i yeah. think you had to hit refresh yeah, so. and then when a team scored similar to baseball reference when you're looking at um an old box score and you're looking at what went down when a team scored it would be highlighted you know if it, if, it, if a guy right. flied out to center that would just be a normal font but if like right. if someone uh flew out to center but it resulted in someone scoring from third on a tag up then that would be in bold um and so i would always just look for that bolt like when mcguire was up uh you know, you would refresh, 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 and all of a sudden it would be in bold, McGu- Mark McGuire, home run to left, you know, left field. Yep. The Cardinals yep. now yep. lead four to three, something like that. And I feel as though that's how I, to the best of my ability, kind of followed that in real time, uh, which seems so funny and antiquated now. But uh, then again, it was – now that I think about it, it was 24 years ago. So I guess it's not yeah. that crazy that it was such a different world back then. But I also remember really enjoying that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> part of it was just the chase. It's the the home run thing itself, um, right. which was so much fun. And really the only year I can remember following the Cardinals where the outcome of the game, and I almost hate to say this, but the outcome of the the outcome of the game really did kind of take a backseat to, to to what happened with a certain individual performance. Um, But yeah, I I remember really enjoying that and thinking that was like a good way to, uh, to follow both the game and what was happening with McGuire. Yeah, that was, you're right. I mean, that was, it mattered more to some degree, whether he hit a run, it helped the fact that they weren't going anywhere that year. Um, you know, it was very interesting back when it was the 20th anniversary. I wrote a post, um, for each home run, you know, to match the day. Um, and just to see, you know, how many of those games that they, you know, let get away or how many games were, you know, blown in the ninth or something like that. Um, that was a a team that was meh. I mean, it really was, right? I mean, it did, it did they. Those didn't did they, they did finish over five hundred in ninety eight didn't they they, they did the, right. they, they did they, I think they won like eighty three games or something like that yeah. uh, let me look that up right now but you know th- there was um, I, I believe time late in the year where it looked like I, and where it looked like maybe they had a chance of of doing something but gosh why can't I uh, um, 
yeah, when, how many did they win that year? Because the the Cubs didn't win the division, but they won the wild card, right? Because they won that one game playoff with the Giants. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, except that, except that, yeah, who won the division then? I was right. The car, uh, the the Astros won the division. The Astros. Oh, that's right. The Astros won yeah. the division. That, yeah, it, yeah. It's almost easy to forget the Astros used to be in the Central, but yeah, the I was right. The Cardinals won eighty three games, and the Cubs won ninety. Um, and I think, if I recall, really kind of pulled away from from them towards the end there. Uh, the Cubs really pulled away from the Cardinals there at the end. But, yeah, you're right. It, it, there was never a time where you felt like it was a great team. I mean, they had they had a great offense. I mean, Ron Gant was hit. Uh, wait, do I have that right? Was that near Gant? Yeah. Ron Gant, Gant was there. Gant hit, Gordon. I think, 31. No, no, no. Lankford hit 31 home runs. Gant hit 26. Brian Jordan hit 25. Uh, Gaetti hit 11. You know, so you had guys who were, yeah. besides McGuire, hitting a lot of home runs. And you see a guy hitting 70, which is just <laughs> remarkable. But, yeah, pitching not so great. That was the no. uh, Kent Merker, uh, Stottlemyre. I mean, he had Matt Morris, but not he wasn't quite Matt Morris yet, I don't believe. Um yeah. Um, well, he was he was seven and five. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He's so, better yeah. than I remembered. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah. You had you had Jed, oh, Manny Ibar. I remember <laughs> him being that guy that you just thought if if he could ever get it together, it was going to be something because he could throw it hard, but he had no idea where it was going. And I think that was was that the last year we had Donovan Osborne. We're close to it, right? It's hard to know because Donovan Osborne was hurt so often mm-hmm. that it's, you couldn't remember when he was actually on a team. Uh, actually, let's see, 99, he pitched six games okay. for the Cardinals. And then he didn't play in 2000 and 2001 in the majors. Uh, resurfaced with the Cubs in 20, 20, or 2002, was out in 2003, and then finished up with the Yankees in 04. Um, so, yeah, that was really his only – and he only pitched 14 games that year. Oh, wow. um, in 98. Okay. So, um, he was, uh, yeah. It's a weird Jeff Brantley team. was still out there. Sad. Yeah. Um, the year that Brantley was so, so bad. <laughs> um, I mean, they're, yeah, yeah. That, you know, you talk about bad trades the Cardinals have made. Um, but, I think Mo could probably put his record up against a lot of other GMs and in Cardinal history and do all right. I mean, you know, he may not have a Brock for Brogulo, but he doesn't have some of the really bad ones either. So, well, one of the trades that's kind of turning out to not be so great, and I'm not even criticizing it because it was mm-hmm. the right trade at the time. Uh, but the Ozuna trade, yeah. Yeah, that one is, I mean, I mean, even if you just look at it from Alcantara, which is the biggest piece, that hurts, uh, especially right now where they just don't have that kind of star pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to have that one back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but to criticize it now almost feels like just hindsight 2020, well, sure. because at the time, no one felt like, oh, gosh, what are we doing? In fact, it was more like, oh, look. We didn't have to give up Flaherty. We didn't have to give up. Uh, I, I don't remember it. 
it was we pack it we sent a package of four guys and i don't think any of them were in the top five cardinals prospects mm-hmm. if i recall i don't think so i don't think so i, I think a lot of people thought alcantara could be something but i think there was some idea is he going to be able to really harness what he had but even it was like even if he does the other guys you know what are they going to do and I don't think anybody expected like all four of those guys to make the major leagues. I, I also um, didn't expect Mar- Marcelo Zuna to show up without a shoulder. Yeah, that that's kind of helpful. Um, if he had been like, a, and that's the thing. It's just, yeah. How did they, you know, they knew this and they still went through with it. I think either they were more optimistic or they didn't have the information that they needed. Um, and I don't know. I think that, that might have gone differently, although maybe it's a good thing it didn't, given given Marcelo's in his current situation. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, and so, also he seems like a jerk. So there you go. Yeah, I, but it did give us the whole, you know, guy oversleeping before uh, not making the game type of thing. So there was, you know, there's some highlights. The climbing the wall. Well, I, I know yeah, we're climbing the kind of clapping though yeah i know we're running late so i'd like to end on a better note than marcelo zuna okay but uh fair enough um we were talking about mcguire and correct me if i'm wrong but jd drew actually debuted in the game yes where mcguire hit number 62 right yes he uh, came in so mcguire hit the home run in what the third or fourth inning mm-hmm. um drew debuted in like the sixth or seventh it was after the it was after the home run okay well i'm looking at jd drew's line from 98 the stats from 98, and I know you remember this, how, how good he was in those the short time. Uh, uh, he had 41 plate appearances. D- do you want to guess his OPS plus? I so, think he hit. So not OPS, but OPS plus. I'm OPS looking at plus. Right oh, boy. Limited time. I want to say he hit 417. I'd say 205. Wow. Yeah. So 266. Wow! Yeah, he, yeah. He, you you nail it though. He he hit four seventeen, had a four sixty three on base, and slugged nine seventy two. So he yeah. had a he had a one point four three six OPS. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, and that was. I mean, because you remember, you know, you know. I, I think you still probably remember that whole, you know, the whole drama around him going back into the draft and yeah. the Cardinals taking him and you had him and ain't coming up around the same time. Uh-huh. And you had this, you know, number one, two, like two number one type picks. Um, so, yeah, I remember I got to see him once uh, when he was coming up because uh, the Cardinals affiliate was still in Little Rock at that time. So we saw him uh, play a game early on in his career at double A. Of course he wasn't there very long. Um, so I remember him debuting wearing number seven back then. Um, and this idea that he was going to be that next big thing. And I think Drew, Drew gets a little bit too much criticism. I mean, he was hurt, well, I, but he had some, I totally, agree. he had some weird injuries. I yeah. totally agree. And, and he retired with almost 1500 career hits. He, now I'm looking at his page. Within, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. OPS plus at 125. Wins above replacement, believe it or not, at 45. 44.9. So, I mean, he had a very good career. Um, yep. He only made one. I, I think it's because he was always just pretty good. And he, he never had... Um, he had one really good season with the Cardinals. And I think that 
year with the Braves, he was really he was pretty good. But he never had a season where he was just like, this is one of the best players in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think the fact that he never really made all-star games and stuff like that, it makes it feel like his career was a failure when it was not. It just, it was just a very good career. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, he got a lot of criticism for being hurt while he was in St. Louis. And some of it was probably justified. I know LaRusso took a little bit of a, uh, get shots at him i think in three nights in august um but you know i mean at least one of those was he got hit in the wrist i mean broken wrist or hit by a pitch um he had some you know fairly serious injuries i mean not just uh, oh i don't feel good he got a little bit of a reputation as a malingerer but i mm-hmm. i don't think that was fair and you know if nothing else he brought us adam wainwright so i mean he should be a, <laughs> he may go in the cardinal hall of fame just for that that, that is true. That is true. And, um, you, you know, three nights in August is funny. I, I know like it, it has kind of very curmudgeon-y, like, I, I think it even has a, uh, prologue that kind of is like talking down to analytics and stuff like that and how mm-hmm. it's not how you should watch baseball. Um, so that's kind of annoying, but that's a great book. I yeah. love that book. I've read it twice well, it- and, um, I just kind of ignore or dismiss the parts that are kind of Buzz Bissinger being uh, grumpy and whatever. Yeah. And if you really just focus on what that book brings to the table, meaning the good, the good things, it's a mm-hmm. great book. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny to think that they take shots at analytics because LaRusso and Duncan were like the forefront of that, right? 100%. You know, charting pitches. Yeah. And where they go and how to you know how to shift people because they hit this way and stuff like that, which is detailed totally very well in in Men at Work, which I know you've read yes. as well. Yeah, yes, I've read that. That's one. I think it's probably the book baseball book I've read the most. It is literally falling apart because I've read it so many times. Um, but that was, you know, and and it feels like I don't know. I haven't heard a lot about Larusa in his White Sox days, but it feels like he's. You know, I'm, I may not be, you know, cutting edge, but he's not downgrading in that stuff. I think he's taking that kind of information from what I can tell and using it, um, you know, maybe not to the level that some do, but not to this, you know, well, we didn't do it back in the day, so we're not doing it now type of thing. Yeah, well, I, I don't know where his idea of the second baseman turning around so he can't steal signs falls, <laughs> in the, uh, whether that's uh, a- a- analytic <laughs> whether that's like galaxy brain <laughs> analytics or or what's going on there but um <laughs> yeah i can't put that's, that's a real uh, thing that anyone I can't can either say but i can't either but that is that is kind of crazy so all right well we've had a good time tonight um look this is like hour long of mutual and 30 minutes of chirps if you if you think it's running too long you just take those two put them together and that's what you've got this time but it's been a a good time talking with you alex and uh look forward to doing it again absolutely thanks thanks for having me on again i always love uh talking to you on this podcast and just about baseball in general um i will be with you next week i don't know who will be with me but until then uh that for alex i'm daniel good night Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals.